Hello, and welcome to the Run Beyond podcast. This is our Leap of Faith number one episode. We're really excited to kick this off today. My name is Jason Brooks, and I will be one of the co-hosts of this podcast, mostly with Jason Schlarb and at times with Mallory Brooks. And Run Beyond is a community of athletes and coaches, or what we call outdoor culture enthusiasts. We are a nonprofit organization that hosts a training community, and we also host trail race events in West Texas, Central Colorado, Southwestern Colorado. We're going to introduce ourselves, and we're mostly going to talk about the characters behind this community and what we're up to. I am a race director and a coach with Run Beyond, and I'll be co-hosting this podcast. I'm really excited to get involved with this community to start to build this program, connect with athletes, and help them get ready to tackle huge challenges in trail and trail ultra races. Mallory, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Mallory Brooks. I will be bringing the mobility and strength conditioning part to your training plan. Um, I'm here to basically try to keep you from getting injured so that you can continue doing the programming that these guys are laying out for you. I will do mobility videos, we'll do breathing techniques, we'll do um, some strength stuff, um, basically just trying to make you this harder to kill machine. And I'm Jason Schlarb, and I've been a runner for, uh, I guess, now over 20 years, which just seems impossible. Um, you know, I started collegiately and ran um, semi-professionally on the road in the military as well and switched over to trail running in 2010 and uh, have been full-time professional since then. I started coaching about five years ago uh, with just a few different clients. Um, in this last year, I've really started to pick up um, a, a passion for coaching and for community in this way and being able to share uh, experiences, be able to help people enjoy themselves and run happy. Um, and I'm really excited to be part of this team as a coach. And then, you know, my experience with my career of running and bringing that to the community and uh, help people of all abilities uh, run faster, happier, and more consistently. So. We, we're going to play a little game sort of today of, of not 20 questions, but just a few questions. Part of the interesting thing about our relationship, our partnership in developing and, and hosting this community is that we have all recently come together, crossed paths in life, and are also ourselves in the process of getting to know one another. We're all going to get to know each other along with everybody that joins this community and follows either what we're talking about on this podcast or decides that they want to come and train with us or race with us. And so we're just going to ask some goofy questions and some serious questions and tell hopefully some fun stories about ourselves as a way to get to know uh, each other and share some insights about ourselves with the audience. And so I'll kick this one off. I'll start with a serious question and uh, I'll put it to you first, Jason. I want to know an experience in your life that has really shaped who you are today as a person and how you show up in the world. You know, I would, I would say that the biggest in my life that has, has really shaped me, uh, I guess recently somewhat, has is, is been, been 2020. Um, you know, I, I found that by 
taking away international travel, by taking away run community, by taking away, um, you know, even even travel outside of my you know local area, I really kind of had to 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 come back to my roots of why I run and what's important to me. And, you know, I found that I, I valued the fact that my daily run and in my, you know, the piece that I find there is, is, is really, really valuable. But I think that the change that I would, 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 um, would, would respond with is that community is really, really important. And the community aspect inspired me to, to reach out and, and um, do more coaching. And that connection with people and being able to give back and be able to, you know, have that community again in that way was maybe the biggest change I've had in my, you know, running life. And then it also changed my, you know, because running is my life in a lot of ways, uh, it, it changed my life a lot. And so I, I'm appreciative of that. It was really painful and hard, 2020, but that in touchness with the community through coaching, and even you know, this is a this is a product of that change. Um, you know, run beyond it, both with race directing and with you know getting into a yeah. training group. So how do you? How's your purpose evolved then? You know, frankly, my purpose for a long time, a majority of my running career, has been to see how fast and how hard, and 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 see if I can win and and experience other places and cultures. But now, um, you know, it's it's the change is that I'm actually able to give back in a different way. And you know, I kind of I kind of felt like I gave back and through inspiration and and you know, living the best I could. But this giving back is is a lot more. Um, I think there's a lot more results, and it's it's a lot more impactful. So that's 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 the big change there. Is there did did you find a greater sense of connection just with the joy of running as an experience in and of itself, stripped away of competition and glory and international travel? Yeah, I I I um you know I miss those things and I value those 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 experiences but i would say that the the worth of having somebody be able to learn to run in a way that's more efficient and healthier and be able to find that joy and and be able to have their body you know their health uh improve it 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 uh that that that, that brings me a lot more satisfaction and, uh, you know, helps me go to sleep at night. Like, what the hell am I doing with my life kind of moments? I feel that that's, that's where the value is greater than, yeah. you know, that experience that I had by myself, um, you know, winning a race or, in, you know, showing off how that I, you know, did this in this country on a film or, or, or things like that. It, it just wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't quite as, you know, something that I'm when I when I'm old, 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 I can look back and be like, hey, I did this. And I feel like, you know, making an impact on other humans and, and bringing them the, the joy and gift of of being able to run happy is is, is a is a very valuable thing. I, I love it. I think that probably resonates for both of us. I know that having having purpose is so meaningful for helping us really get through every day and to stay motivated and, and really connected with why it matters to get up and do this thing every day. And with, without that purpose, it's easy to lose direction. Yeah. And so uh, I like it. 
Okay, Mallory, I'll put the same question to you. One experience in life that has really shaped who you are today and how you show up in the world. So I think uh, back to when we were about two years into our marriage and we had a two-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old, and we, you got a job up in the Pacific Northwest and we decided to kind of take this bold adventure to go pick up our lives with a newborn and move up there to a place where we didn't know anybody. And, and we had a, it was a great experience, but ultimately we decided to come home. And I think being away made me appreciate all the amazing things we have back here and, and what, what a good life we had been building on. And then when we were looking at uh, coming back, I thought of it as this opportunity to rather than go back and do the same thing I was doing before we left, that I wanted to try to do something new. So I talked to some mentors of mine and said, what can I do? And it was this, like, you get to do whatever you want to do. And it didn't take moving away to do that, but it took, for me, it did to initially realize that that's something you can do. And we've talked about that lately. It's like a very Buddhist mindset of like, you can be a, you can be a different kind of person in tomorrow or in the next minute if you decide that. And, and why did it take moving for me to do that? Um, but it allowed me to just say, hey, I've always wanted to do this crazy thing called race directing and I don't know how to do it, but I'm coming back as this like new learned person and, and I'm going to go for it. If not now, then when? And I think it just made me a little bolder about taking, we've, we've kind of, are, I guess I've used the term, the free fall. And it's like, when Jason left his corporate job or when we moved back, it's just this like, Hey, we're about to do something big and scary, but so far we've always learned something and I think become better people on the other side of it. So it's a, it's a pivot point. And we've, I guess, pivoted quite a bit. Yeah. That was okay. That's a good one. So what came from that pivot though, that just this ability to take risks and be okay with not having my standard you know, the, the nine to five expectation, mm -hmm. or what if we don't make money for a little while? That's okay. But ultimately, I wanted to be able to wake up every day feeling challenged and go to bed every night feeling like I had put some good out into the world. So, okay, on to you. Yeah. What is a pivotal moment in your life that has divine, defined who you are <laughs> and how you show up in the world? Uh, yes. Um, so, for me, it, I think. The biggest thing is when I was in between 18 and 19 years old, I had a period in my life where I experimented heavily with psychedelics and that I was not a good person at the time, I have to admit. And through those psychedelic journeys, I peered deep inside my soul and had tough conversations with myself about who I wanted to be and how I wanted to, to show up in the world. And I, I really found empathy in a big way that, that I think changed me. And those experiences have continued to change me year over year over year. I went into the Marine Corps not long after that period in my life. And as things happened in, in my military career that were profound from an experience standpoint, I was always able to come back and connect with those psychedelic experiences and journeys and, and understand them in new ways. And I feel like as I matured as a person since that time as a teenager, 
I always come back to the lessons I learned or the insights that I had and those deeply introspective periods that come at the end of a, of a psychedelic journey. And so, you know, today I still struggle like everyone does with trying to be a better person, but I, I always have this insight that I can draw on from that time and, and use it to try to, you know, deal with anger management problems or deal with anxiety problems or deal with stress problems that all come into our life. And it's helped me, you know, because of that experience, I think I can, I can sit down and I can read Stoic and Buddhist philosophy and connect with it and make sense out of it and understand it. And I might not be able to do that or draw on those tools or lessons or insights if I hadn't had those experiences. So that's it for me. Okay. Next question. You want me to bring it up? Let's do it. Okay. Um, next question to you, Schlarm. Right. What advice would you give yourself? If you were coaching yourself, what would be the biggest thing you would be telling yourself to do? What is the thing that you, uh, that you preach but you don't actually uh, include in your own training? Is this like advice you would give your your new runner yeah. self or your like experienced runner Whatever. self? Whatever. You like maybe your older running self or your current running self. You know, I I feel that you know, I did some reflection uh recently on, you know, back when I was uh a collegiate runner and uh just getting started in the sport and you know, I I really beat myself up then in a way that I felt that I I compared I compared myself to other people and you know while it's great to have ambitions and it's great to um you know strive for your best um I I was striving for to be better than other people and you know that that was a really 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 hard lesson that basically you know limited my um capacity and in, in my performance for 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 many years and I would say that that same, um, you know, that same drive and that same, you know, ugly default to to compare myself to to other elite pro trail runners often has, um, you know, affected my performance and my ability to run as fast and as well as I possibly can, not to mention the psychological um, you know, ugliness and darkness of thinking about, you know, what somebody else is doing and, and that I'm not doing as well as they are. Uh, I, I think that that's the biggest piece of advice that I would give myself both when I was 19 years old, you know, walking onto a division one cross country track team that had all Americans on it to, you know, coming into the sport of, you know, professional running and comparing myself to, you know, Anton Kropitschka or Jeff Rose or Killian or whatever. That has robbed me of performance and also, you know, satisfaction and, and, and being able to appreciate um, my, my accomplishments and my daily uh, training. You know, that, that, has, that, is really, uh, that has been one of the biggest things that I regret looking back. And I would give myself that advice today, yesterday, and my first day of running. Yeah. Hard lessons there. Yeah. Are, yeah. I think, you know, that's the, probably where I am right now in my, my running journey, my life journey. And one of the things that I work on most 
with the athletes that that I work with as a coach is to let go of attachments to to outcomes and to get out of the space of comparing yourself to other people. It and I, I find that it it does have it forces us to focus on things that are entirely outside of our control. If an athlete comes to me with a goal of I want to win this race, well, that's hard to tackle because you don't know what's going to happen on that day or before that day to you and your training, to you and your performance on that day. You don't know who's going to show up. Anything could happen that could get in the way of that. And when we get focused as athletes on those outcomes that we can't control, we start to lose sight of the things that we can control, the variables we can control, the process of training and trying to get to our peak performance. And so I really want for myself and for the athletes that I have the good fortune to work with to focus on the everyday things like sleeping well, getting up out of bed and training, eating well, doing the strength work, doing the run work, doing the mobility work, taking care of yourself from a sort of manual therapy standpoint. and. And then managing like stress in your life, thinking about things other than running in your everyday life that that affect you and influence your performance. And for me, the outcome that you achieve at any competition you go to is a reflection of all the small things you do leading up to that race. And those are the important things. And the accumulative effect of a lot of small things can be really powerful. And so it's important for me not to lose sight of that. Focus on the process versus the outcome. Yep. Good stuff. How about you, Mallory? So my answer would be a similar thread to you guys, which is just generally like comparing yourself to other people. I started running and training and racing with this very like victim mindset that I was the only one that hit all the red lights to get to the race. So I was late, or I was the only one that had like a hurt knee, or I was the only one that got the warm Coke at the aid station or whatever. It was like, it was always just me. That was the one that wasn't being set up for success. And it was either this, like looking for an excuse for why I wasn't going to do as well, but ultimately it became this process of me trying to work through why do I feel that way? And how do I, how do I change it? And I've, been trying to change how I focus on things into a more if if my knee is hurting I think of like everybody on the race course's knee just started hurting and now how am I going to race harder with this or how am I going to how am I going to tackle this everybody's stomach started hurting at the exact same time how am I going to be a stronger racer than they are in this moment because the truth is we don't all have hurt stomachs but somebody else has a blister somebody else has a headache somebody else bumped their head or whatever it is and starting to kind of just kind of play this game of I can deal with adversity better than them. I, it, it changed how I thought of being the one that was the only one that was being served up all of the, the like speed bumps or, or like, you know, um, obstacles to being this, like trying to be this like champion of whatever it is I run into. And, and we, I mean, we've had a coach, can we curse on this? Who said, yeah. right, the, the like, I'm not necessarily just trying to make you a better runner. I'm just trying to make you a problem solving motherfucker. And it's like, it's absolutely the case. If I can just play with what is being thrown at me, then I can, I can get through it. And, it, and then 
it doesn't matter the ranking or really the time of my race. I just feel like I, I, I kind of won that battle in my own head. So. Yeah. And I think that advice is, is so especially important in ultra running because our, the ability, I should say the probability of things going wrong, like your exposure to risk and, and problem introduction is exponentially higher because you're spending so much more time exposed to the elements and the opportunity for something to go wrong. And problem solving is one of the greatest skill sets you can have. And something we'll spend a lot of time talking about on this podcast too. Yeah. Yep. Jason, you're up. All right, Mike. Question time. I I, I don't have the the, the, the community question, but I've got a um, a question for for each of you. Uh, Jason, you strike me as a a warrior-like person and and, uh, both in a, a... a, you know, introspective way, but also, you know, you, you like to do battle and are extremely competitive. And so I want you to, I want you to, to share like your, your warrior moments and, 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 or, or a moment in your running and uh, your experience with, with trail running and, and, uh, uh, you know, you know, being savage or something like that. I, you know, maybe I'm creating this in my mind, but I, I would love to hear if, if there's some truth. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, savage. I mean, for me, trail running, one of the things I've always connected with in this sport is being outdoors and all into the challenge and the difficulty of like climbing up a mountain. Or when I first started trail running in Austin, I would go out to the Barton Creek Greenbelt all the time and I would pick these routes where I had to like jump over trees and climb rocks and scramble up cliff faces because I just felt like I was unleashing this this inner animalistic nature that I that I have and feel and and that's I mean a big part of what is so fun for me is just to get outside and to challenge myself to go after gnarly sort of adventurous um, experiences and so I don't know my goal this year is to run Nolan's 14, which is there are times when I think this is just stupid. Why would anybody do this as I'm trying to make my way down the rough side of a 14,000 foot mountain in Colorado where there's no trail. And uh, I keep going back to it. I keep scouting the course and entertaining the idea of doing it. And, and that's maybe a big part of why I've, I've stuck with trail running is just that it is, I guess, a little bit of a savage thing in some ways. It's rugged and it can be ruthless and really challenging. And, and so for, for me, that makes it interesting all the time. It makes it easy for me to keep coming back to it because uh, it, is, it is this sort of challenging thing every time I go out and do it, no matter what. It, there's some kind of new adventure element to it or, or challenge nice. to it. Nice. I, I think that, you know, the, the primal kind of adventure and, 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 you know, navigating a wild landscape is, is, is in, in our DNA and uh, more so for some people than others. But uh, I, I, I think that that's awesome and, 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 and something that uh, everybody in a way loves. <laughs> Okay, for for you, Mallory, I I have a um. Where, and I, I'm gonna. This is this is gonna be just completely off the off the cuff here. Where 
would you say in your trail running adventures have you had the the biggest smile? <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> you know, okay, I'll start with this. Maybe this will jog my memory. Paul Terranova gives us a lot of advice as a friend of ours. And he said, always smile as you're coming into an aid station because who better to at least lie to than like your crew who's out there working really hard for you to like make them believe that you're at least having fun. Because if you're not, then it makes their job like extra miserable. Um, so I've always tried to do that, like say thank you to volunteers. I mean, after being a race director, it's like, you know, you see things from the other side and you realize like you need to be thanking the race directors. You need to be thanking the volunteers. You need to be smiling when you come in. When is the time I smiled the most? I mean, probably I got the chance to do the Wonderland Trail with my best friend. Like she said she'd go do this crazy adventure with me. And we went and ran 60 miles of the 93 miles of it just to go scout some of it. And we committed to going back the next year. And it was this just super playful ad adventure together. And we were working hard, but really it was, there was never any moment where we were just scared or we were, we were just giggling the whole time. It was like this, this really enjoyable, exciting experience. And it made me realize like, I like getting into that kind of world of doing adventures with other people. And the FKT world is fun to think about, but I, I would uh, give up the title or anything if it meant that I got to share the experience with somebody, especially as cool as the person that I got to do to do that with. So yeah, Wonderland. Nice. I mean, it helped that Allison and Gabe's friend was out there in the Bigfoot costume. Well, we, <laughs> Allison and I were like a quarter mile from the finish and she was like, you know, it's crazy. We haven't, like hallucinated. I always thought people hallucinated at these like long distance things. And we're like, yeah, isn't that amazing? And then right after we'd said it, we like turn the corner on the trail and there's this big furry Sasquatch sitting on a rock. And I was like, don't mention that you see a Sasquatch because <laughs> like now you've really lost your mind. And we both ended up running right by it because we thought that the Sasquatch was in only in our own mind. And it was in fact, her friend dressed up to surprise her at the end of this endeavor. And she was actually really there. And it was pretty much the funniest moment. We were delusional at that point. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a great time. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Who's up? Let's close with the following question. Yeah. We all get to answer this. Okay. Share a story of, you know, it could either be your most epic sort of trail running adventure or trail running adventure gone wrong. And uh, I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll start <laughs> with this one. So sounds like a question from somebody <laughs> that already has a good answer. It must have been 2015 or 16. It was 2016. Was, I was still working at SunPower at the time. We were thinking about starting a trail race here in Central Texas called Goodwater, which it takes place on a trail. It's called the San Gabriel River Trail or the Goodwater Loop. It's 26 miles pretty much 26.2 miles on the dot, circumnavigating Lake Georgetown, just northwest of Austin proper. And it was May, so we thought, we need to go out here and run this trail. One of us needs to get eyes on it before we decide to put a, a race out here. We had friends who you know, said they run it all the time. Everybody talked about it like it was a really easy trail to follow, no big deal. 
you know, so, so I'll just lay out the lessons learned in the process of this too. I didn't really do any research. I just took for granted that everybody said it was so easy to follow the trail, be no big deal. So we get out there and I get off a little bit late. I think I was hoping to start around like maybe five o'clock so I could be done by like 10 PM or so. And uh, I, I don't think I left until 6.30 or something. And I, I get started. The, I'm, I was running it counterclockwise. So the first five-ish miles I had to get through is all this double-track Jeep road. It's just grassy. It's totally flat, no trees. It's the, it, it's the floodplain, like the immediate floodplain of the river. The Lake Georgetown is really a dammed up section of the, the North San Gabriel River. and so. That, that floods all the time in a, in a good year. This had been a wet year, a wet spring. And so vegetation growth was out of control out there in May. And that whole five mile section was like above ankle thick spear grass. And I don't know, Jason, if you've ever had the experience of running in spear grass, but it's terrible. The shit just sticks everywhere into your shoes, into your socks. So I'm stopping like every half mile and I'm ripping out handfuls of spear grass because it's just eating up my feet and legs. And I'm like, oh man, this is <laughs> this is not a good start to this. So I get to the far west end of the lake and I cross the river and there's a sort of prolific network of trails that could go anywhere. And most of them are social trails. And I got off the main trail and I found myself wading into the river and and i've heard people talk about if it's the high if it's a high water year you have to might swim across some of the inlets um to stay on trail and so i figured here i am i gotta swim across some of these inlets so i've got my pack above my head and i'm wading chest deep in the water and here comes a water moccasin swimming right at me and, and it's all kinds of bright colors and i just you know that that animal instinct nature it's like, that's, that thing's dangerous. And I'm just like, oh, what do I do? I can't get away fast because I'm chesty water and I have this pack over my head. So the snake just swims by. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, all right, okay, I, I can keep doing this. I get out onto the trail again and the vegetation is just everywhere. It's growing like six feet into the air and I'm just bushwhacking through all of this stuff. And I get... I get up the first climb in the trail and I've run into a giant spider web, which happens all over Texas in, in the spring. There's just spider webs everywhere on the trail. They grow in like a day. And I got this huge spider on me and I'm freaking out and I'm just thinking, oh God, what else is going to go wrong? And then 10 miles in, my watch craps out on me. And so I'm like, I can't even get a good GPS file now for this, for this route. I'm just going to call Mallory. Well, now it's like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. So I... I actually can't get Mallory to come and get me because we won't be able to get back into the park. So then I just give up. I stop having my pity party. I commit to, to continuing to finish this thing. I get like another five miles into the trail and I get sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> I mean, that part. <laughs> so then I, I get to the first park that I have to run through and I come out into a parking lot and there's no indication of where the trail goes from there. And so I think oh, I just passed some other trails that shot off of this. I must be need to get on one of those. And so I'm running in circles on all of these trails. They all loop back onto the same trail. I'm like stuck in this recursive loop and I don't know how to get out of it. 
And I run around the park for a while. I can't find the trail. So I come back and I, was, I thought, I'll just start Googling like trail directions. And I finally found a mountain bike website that had written directions that explained that I needed to run over the dam to continue, which should have been obvious at the time, but, but wasn't. So I finally make it over the dam and I get back at it's midnight, midnight when I finally make it back and I smell like a skunk and I'm covered in like mucky late spring Texas river water. And I, ha- and I go and take a bird bath in the bathroom. So anyway, that's my, my probably gone wrong. Do the research on the trail you're going to go on and have a backup plan when things go wrong <laughs> or what to do. Okay. My turn. Go for it. Mine's going to be a lot quicker. The only one I could think of, the most recent one, was last year when we were trying, or two years ago, I guess now, when we were trying for a quad crossing of the Grand Canyon. And the friend that I was going to do it with was so worried that he was so much slower than I was. So he was going to take off like five or six hours before I was, because that's about how much slower he was going to move. And I ended up catching him like by mile 25 or something. We were supposed to do this like 100 miles together. And I caught him at mile 25. And then turned around from the North Rim to head back to the South Rim. And the whole way, he's just like, why are we doing this? This is miserable. I'm going to stop when I get to the top. And just like, I totally drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, this sounds like an amazing idea. We should definitely stop. And he's like, just think about it. You can be in your hotel and room in like two hours. You can get sleep in three. Like you can go to pizza. And I just totally let it derail my, my plan completely. Like I just... Like, this is so stupid. Why am I out here hurting myself? I'm You're done. Right. Pizza and beer would be much better. Yeah, what a, I'm an idiot. I have nothing to prove to anybody. And then, uh, so this year when we go back to try for it, I have someone whose job it is, is to like stand at the South Rim and just tell me to turn around and go back down. Like he is just supposed to like battle me and not let me go back to my hotel room. As long as I just take off for that second one, I think I can do it. And that somebody is not me because... Uh... I, I wouldn't win that battle. <laughs> Being the spouse. <laughs> has to be has to be <laughs> non spouse. Yeah. What about you, Schlarm? Oh, uh, you know I've. You know I my, my story is different than all three of you, both of you guys. I mean, um, you know I I went when I was kind of younger in my ultra running uh, experience and uh, even international travel, and I was in Patagonia with my best friend in um, uh, Torres del Paine is a national park and uh, they have, it's the towers, the beautiful towers. And we wanted to circumnavigate this, this national park and they have refugios, these huts along the way. And we ran it in three or four days and we were to film it and uh, then set an FKT afterwards after taking some rest. And we had so much fun running that my buddy Wolf, who's, who's my partner on the, the project, he ended up like, aggravating his knee and wasn't able to basically run and uh so we're like well what do we do and and we decided that we i'd I'd still go for the fkt and it's like 72 miles a loop and with no support and it was uh it was massively daunting it's like glaciers and uh you know patagonian weather which is extremely variable very windy and and lots of Lots of chances for snow, rain, and whatever in the middle of the summer, or what they call summer. And uh, we, the weather looked okay, and we decided to do it. And I was running by myself, and it was it was really scary and really difficult. And as I started to run and get 20, 30 miles into the, the run, uh, the weather really degraded, and I was getting to the 
place where is the highest pass on the, um, the, the, the route and people were coming back down from the pass saying it was, the weather was too bad. You shouldn't go up there. And I'm like, well, I've got to go up there because I need to get back around. And then another group tells me that there's rangers up there and they're planning on closing the pass. And I'm sitting here with a little like, you know, FKT attempt sized, you know, running pack um, in shorts <laughs> and it's snowing. And uh, it, it got really scary. And it, at, at one point it was like, well, if they close it, I'm going to just go off trail and climb over these mountains. And, you know, even then uh, a much younger Schlarbub was like, that's, that's how we're going to die. <laughs> and so... Luckily, I got up there, and the rangers were there, and um, they let me go. And uh, I, I pressed on and, and, and continued, and, and there's more to the story. I won't bore you too much with it, but, you know, bonking and kind of almost in that hallucination kind of point. But it was, it was, it was really difficult and really tough and challenging, and, like, it, it was too much. And, and it was, it was, it's, it's, it's a little bit aggressive to do you know, that long of a loop without any help or backup plan kind of really. But, you know, I, I got through and uh, the, the, the real kind of uh, kicker to the whole story is this national park to this day has forbidden running in Torres del, del Pine National Park, the only place besides a, a swimming pool and, you know, school halls, you know, that you're not allowed to run. And so, the whole time I was avoiding running when I would ever see any rangers. And it was just a complete difficult crapshoot of a just go for it and, you know, have weather and, and not really have any support. And that, that was one of the hardest, craziest, dangerous things I've done. And I, I, I look back at that and I, I wouldn't probably do it in that fashion again, but it, it sure worked out and it was really fun. And I said the FKT. <laughs> not do it again okay yeah <laughs> all right well that is episode one of the run beyond podcast thank you mallory and jason for sharing your stories and your insights and experiences in life we uh, our plan is to continue to host these podcast episodes over the coming days and weeks to talk more about our training community our coaching philosophy why you might like to coach with us and how, how this community will work. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Run Beyond Experience. You can check out our website, www.therunbeyondexperience.com. And we'll talk to you soon.